0: Good morning and welcome to St. Thomas Episcopal Church virtual worship online. You can follow along with our attached bulletin. This is the seventh Sunday of Easter, May 24th. Evening prayer, right to Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Dear friends in Christ, here in the presence of almighty God, let us kneel in silence, and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins, so that we may obtain forgiveness by his infinite goodness and mercy. Most merciful God, we confess that when we that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry
1: Son, and Holy Spirit. You are worthy at all times to be praised by happy voices, O Son of God, O Giver of life, and to be glorified through all the worlds. Psalm 68 Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let those who hate him flee before him. Let them vanish like smoke when the wind drives it away. As the wax melts at the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. Let them also be merry and joyful. Sing to God, sing praises to his name, exalt him who rides upon the heavens. Yahweh is his name, rejoice before him. Father of orphans, defender of widows, God in his holy habitation. God gives the solitary a home and brings forth prisoners into freedom. But the rebels shall live in dry places. O oh God, when you went forth before your people, when you marched through their, the wilderness, the earth shook and the skies poured down rain, at the presence of God, the God Sinai, at the presence of God, the God of Israel. You sent a gracious rain, O God, upon your inheritance. You refreshed the land when it was weary. Your people found home in it. In your goodness, O God, you have made provision for the poor. Sing to God, O kingdoms of earth, Sing praises to the Lord. He rides in the heavens, the ancient heavens. He sends forth his voice, his mighty voice. Ascribe power to God. His majesty is over Israel. His strength is in the skies. How wonderful is God in his holy places. The God of Israel, giving strength and power to his people. Blessed be
2: God.
3: When the apostles had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria into the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, "Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. The Word of the Lord. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servants.
4: Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory, which is the Spirit of God, is resting on you. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Discipline yourselves, keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary the devil prowls around, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Thanks be to God. Lord, you now have set your servant free to go in peace as you have promised. For these eyes of mine have seen the Savior, whom you have prepared for all the world to see, a light to enlighten the nations and the glory of your people Israel.
2: Gospel according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, so that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all people, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence, with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave me, I have given to them, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one, as we are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
0: Friends, welcome once again to our virtual service, of evening prayer at St. Thomas Episcopal Church. This is uh, May 24th. It is the seventh Sunday after Easter. I'm glad that you're tuning in and listening with me today. I want to start by talking about world history. I love history. If you've been to my Bible studies, if you've been in the church, or if you've ever tuned into a sermon before, you know, I just feel passionately because if we don't understand sometimes the history of what's happening before we In the world, it's hard to understand how Scripture makes sense and ties it all together. So we get back in our time machine, and I want to go back to the year 1000 BC, long, long, long ago, long before Jesus is going to um, be born into the world in such a miraculous way. 1000 BC, King David, King David takes over after King Saul, and he becomes this incredible warrior king. And what he does that is so miraculous and so Uh, incredible in world history is he creates a new kingdom of Israel. It's all of Israel, 12 tribes, they're all united. And what he does is he he has to create a new state that protects its citizens, you know, from violence from outside. He has to govern within and make sure there's justice and fairness as part of society. And he also has to um, be the head of kind of the religious State. It is a a theocracy. This is built around the sense that God is with them and that God dwells with them and that God is in their very midst in Israel. And so, it's something new and something incredible. And it's united, the one kingdom. David does it for, for the first time and the last time. As soon as David dies and his sons come into power and his grandsons, the two, the kingdom is going to be split into two there will be a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom includes 12 different tribes, and the southern kingdom includes only two tribes. But those two tribes are really significant. And there's two new power centers, two capitals that really aren't that far away from each other, maybe walking a half a day's journey, driving maybe a half hour drive. The two new kingdoms, the northern kingdom is going to be called the the northern kingdom or the kingdom of Israel, and the southern kingdom is called the kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom is going to have a, a capital called Samaria, and the southern kingdom is going to have their capital in Jerusalem, the, the city where David himself had planted his and established the United Kingdom. Now, these two players are going to, you know, Samaria and Jerusalem are going to vie for political power. They're going to vie for more land. They're going to vie for theological power. Where does God exist? Where does God live? Does God live in the temple in Jerusalem? Does God live in the places of worship in Samaria? And so there becomes this conflict. And now all of a sudden, all these people who were once united as as family, as friends, as neighbors, as cousins, as distant cousins, They were the 12 tribes. Now they're divided and they're segregated. They don't trust each other. They don't like each other. They don't worship with each other. And it begins this great feud between Judah and Israel, between Jerusalem and Samaria. We think of Samaria later on with Jesus talking about the Good Samaritan or Jesus and the Samaritan woman, right? And Samaritans are looked pretty harshly upon. We're not quite there yet, so we're still like around the time of King David, and then it's his son and his grandsons, and and they're starting this feud. And then around the year 700 B.C., before Christ, 700 years, uh, the Assyrian king comes in, and he's going to take over Samaria, and he's going to wipe out the northern kingdom. So around 700 B.C., 300 years after the United Kingdom, 700 B.C., The northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, is destroyed forever. It will never return. It's taken over in what's called the Assyrian exile. And people are taken to Assyria. And Assyrians are brought in and placed in these towns. There will still be some kind of worship of this Yahweh, this Israelite God. But it's not the same. And now it's being blended with idols and pagan idols and pagan worship and different kinds of worship that has been inspired from Assyria. They're also going to be mixing in different kinds of language and different kinds of ethnicities and races. And so the people of Samaria now physically look different. They sound different. They act different. They eat different. And even they worship different. So by the year 700, There's not only just the split between cousins and family. Now there's this radical, hard line. The Samaritans are not like us. They are utterly different. And even then, around 700, the King Hezekiah still wanted to incorporate places. There was still this dream that maybe a king of Israel could come in and unite the whole kingdom. Maybe it could once again be like King David had established. And wouldn't that be amazing? So now we go ahead To Jesus' time. And around Jesus' time, there was King Herod the Great. Well, King Herod the Great had lots of wives. We know of King Herod the Great because that was the king over Judah when Jesus was born. King Herod had a wife who was a Samaritan. I mean, can you imagine something more awful and more atrocious? And with that Samaritan wife, he had lots of wives, but with a Samaritan wife, he has a son who will become the next inheritor of his line, who will also be called Herod. But this Herod isn't any longer the king. He's called an ethnarch, which means he is in charge of an ethnic race of people. He is supposed to be over these Israelites. But this is makes the people in Jerusalem furious because this man who is half Samaritan has been given control over their land, and not just of Jerusalem, but this whole region over Jerusalem and Samaria, and all the way up into Syria. People who are the sworn enemies of the people who live in Jerusalem. And and Rome has just decreed that all of a sudden they are one group, they are one ethnicity, and it is horrifying. And the people reject it, and the people are going to rebel, and the people are going to freak out over it, and, and they hate this new condition. And by the time Jesus is an adult and has begun his ministry, there is this burning, seething hatred at Rome, and certainly at the Samaritans. And so that's why Jesus is giving these examples. He's walking around saying, you know, look, the Samaritan, the good Samaritan, he's the one who actually does the will of God and shows the mercy of God. And people are kind of furious hearing these words of Jesus because we distrust the Samaritans. We dislike the Samaritans. They are nothing like us. They don't see the world like us. They can't worship like us. They are disgusting. And it doesn't take long for us today to watch the news and get that feeling in society today, not just outside of our borders, within our borders, that people are looking at each other with such rage and such disgust. And in some ways, I feel like this COVID-19 and corona has has exasperated the divisions between us, maybe between uh, People politically, people who are to the far on the left and people who are to the far on the right. Maybe it's exacerbated uh, distinctions between people who are working class and lower class and people who are going into work at minimum wage and people who are upper class, higher higher class, highest class, billionaires, maybe even a trillionaire. Maybe it's dividing us also uh, religiously and people who worship differently or worship uh, in different Christian styles and different Christian denominations And then in different religions. But there seems to be so much anger and mistrust and distrust in society. I see it when I turn on the news and I see two white men in Georgia have been arrested for shooting a young black man who was out for a jog. I see it on the news when I see people who are protesting in front of state houses or someone who's in line at Subway carrying a bazooka. For what a human being needs a bazooka, I cannot possibly imagine, and especially when ordering a Subway sandwich. But I see this division as people, as some people are rushing to stay at home and as some people are rushing to go back out into the world and to work. And it's even worse as we're moving towards a presidential election in November and now we're starting to get political ads. that There will be a billions of dollars spent on this industry to make us feel divided and separate and separated and segregated along all these different lines. And how well Jesus must have felt that in his own day. That separation, that distrust between the people of Jerusalem, the people of Samaria, between the people of Jerusalem and the Romans, between the people of Jerusalem, the rabbis versus the Sadducees, the rabbis versus the zealots, the, 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 you know, Normal families who are going about their business trying to make and eke out a living versus uh, the tax collectors who are seen as an enemy of the people, spies of the Roman state. How divided it must have felt. And yet in the scripture today, they pose this really interesting question. They turn to Jesus and say, is now the time when the kingdom will be made whole again? This is from the scripture in Acts. In the scripture in Acts, they said, and now will you restore the kingdom? Remember, and they're talking all the way back to King David. They're saying, and now will you unite us once again? And They're not saying, will you make us happy to live with Samaria and the Samaritans? They're saying, will you usher in this new kingdom where you take over Samaria and you become the one true king of Israel and you make us the 12 tribes? Will you return us to that state of King David where we are a theocracy united once again? And it's not about because they love Samaria, it's they want to be victorious over them. They want to be, once again, right and in power and charge. And Jesus, in this reading of Acts, he says, No, you don't understand. You don't. Even now, even after the resurrection, even after I've defeated death itself and I've spent this time with you, he's like, You don't understand what's coming. You're still failing to understand the kingdom of God. That is not the kingdom of Israel. It's not just a restoring of David's one kingdom. It is something so much more. It is something so great. So it's not just going to take over this land of the 12 tribes. It's going to take over the world. It's going to wrap around the world. That's the power of what God has in store. That God is going to transform not just you and not just Samaria, but all people in all places. And we're going to see this next week as it's coming to its fullest fruition on the day of pentecost but jesus says you don't understand he said i'm going to send into you the holy spirit the spirit of the living god you will become the temple where the, the spirit of god dwells and god will be within you you don't have to ask where is this god he the spirit of god is so connected and tied into you that will be on your very heart On your very lips, every time you do these acts of love, when you live this life that I've shown you—this life of forgiveness, this life of mercy, this life of grace—when you when you live this life in this way as my disciples, God will be burning within you. And He says, "And so now, on this new path, on this new lifestyle as Christians, you are my witnesses." And here's what's so crazy and profound. He says to all the people in Jerusalem. And they're like, yeah, we get that. That makes sense. We can witness in Jerusalem. He says, and to all of Samaria. And they're like, wait, what? We have to witness to the Samaritans as well? And he says, and then to all the world. You see, Jesus is describing a different kind of kingdom, one that doesn't have boundaries and walls, and one that doesn't have borders, and one that doesn't segregate or tear down, one that doesn't delineate people who are on the right or on the left, people who worship correct and people who don't. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is the kingdom of this entire world because every person within it is a creature of God and made in God's own image. And so the love of God is now coming out into the world to draw all those people to him and to create a new kind of society and a new kind of world that's marked by freedom and it's marked by peace and it's made known through love. And Jesus says that is what you are called to do. And it's so radically different And it's so radically shocking and surprising that they can't quite wrap their minds around it and maybe neither can we. Because we're still living in these divisions and we still support these divisions and we're still not creating the kingdom of God that Jesus himself gave us. Even as we're calling ourselves disciples, even as we call ourselves Christians, we still lean into the hatred and the segregation and the bigotry and the racism and it's so clear in our society all around us that this is not yet the kingdom of God. And yet my friends were called to witness to it. The kingdom is not fully come, but we have a role to play. But we have a part in this coming kingdom. We have a role to be the witnesses. Yes, to the people who are our friends, to the people who look and sound and act like us, and to the people who radically don't. We're called to witness through our love, through our gentleness, through our justice, through our humility. And maybe that's the message for us to keep in mind as we turn on the news, as we walk out our doors, as we see the world on fire all about us. That this is not the kingdom that God is bringing. And yet we are part of that. We are the ones who are supposed to go out and witness and be completely other. We're called to show how we can live truly, fully as Christians. And so what do we do? Maybe we reach out in kindness to the people that that are our friends, maybe on social media who have different opinions and engage in conversations. Maybe we reach out to our family members. Maybe we show more kindness to the people who are essential workers around us as we go out into the world and, and we're Using their services, people who are putting their health at risk to make sure society is still running. Maybe as we move into a political year, we, look, we, we turn off political ads and we turn off commercials and we tune into one another and see where our society is broken and failing and look towards people who can help restore us and unite us and provide justice and peace for all people. But mostly I wonder, what does it look like in your life to be a witness to all the people in Jerusalem and Samaria and all the world? What does it look like in your life to be that witness, to witness to God's love to people that you don't like, to witness to God's love to people who bother you or frustrate you or agitate you or infuriate you, people who are so different from you? What is that like? Because this is the great commandment that Jesus gives us at the moment of his glorious ascension. That we are his witnesses to all people and to all the world. And I hope this week, friends, that you can find some space. Or maybe God can put you on some path to reach out and share his love. I hope that God challenges you in some unique way to be his witness this week.
5: your saving health among the nations. Let not the needy, O Lord, be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and sustain us with your Holy Spirit. O God, the King of glory, you have exalted your only Son, Jesus Christ, with great triumph to your kingdom in heaven. Do not leave us comfortless, but send us your Holy Spirit to strengthen us and exalt us to that place where our Savior Christ has gone before, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, in glory everlasting. Amen. Lord God, whose Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, triumphed over the powers of death and prepared for us our place in the new Jerusalem, grant that we, who have this day given thanks for his resurrection, may praise you in that city of which he is the light and where he lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Keep watch, dear Lord, with those who work or watch or weep this night and give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend the sick, Lord Christ. Give rest to the weary. Bless the dying. Soothe the suffering. Pity the afflicted. Shield the joyous and all for your love's
0: sake. Amen. Let us say together the general thanksgiving. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all, for your immeasurable love and in the age to come, life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia.